Welcome to Compression, the quest to $100 million in just one year. Join me, your host, Logan Freeman, in this one-of-a-kind interactive podcast experience where I am on a quest to compress three years of achievement and production into 12 months. And no, the answer is not to just work harder. I'm bringing you not only ideas and concepts that are complete at the theoretical level, but they're also effective at the applied level. Look guys, knowledge is not power. It is potential power. Knowledge plus massive strategic action equals power. We're talking about strategy, systems, accountability, all in real time. This is Compression. Oh man, so we're back with another amazing episode of Compression, and how can I say it's amazing and we're just getting started, because I know (laughs) what we're going to talk about today. And so for those of you who don't know, Logan and I are both implementing the story brand framework in our businesses, and we've decided to apply it against this podcast to take you on this journey, compressing three years of production into one. Yep. And so Logan has actually went through the framework and filled out all the different sections. And I think this thing will probably iterate a little bit as we go along Mm -hmm. um, since we're releasing with minimum viable product. And then, you know, as we get more feedback and see who this attracts and why it attracts them, we'll be able to refine the message and be more of a marksman than a bird hunter. Yeah. In the the wild of Kansas or Missouri. So (laughs) Logan, you, you you took the lead on this and just yep. ran with it. There's a bunch of different parts and pieces to the thing. But I think the most important thing is like who who are we talking to? Who's the who's the character? And you know, maybe what is the problem that they're trying to solve for? Let's uh walk them through what uh, Donald Miller calls the plot structure. So when you think about a story. And you have to be able to understand the different components of a story. You know, a story does not usually go like this. It usually has peaks and valleys. He's broken this down into a framework that is somewhat easy to digest. It takes some time to understand, but it is this, it goes like this. And I'll give you an example afterwards so you can understand exactly how this works. A character has a problem then meets a guide who gives them a plan and calls them to action that either that action results in success or failure. So that seems somewhat easy to understand, but when you're thinking about actually crafting communication, it's hard to actually go through that unless you're, you're cognizant of that, that plot structure. Again, a character has a problem, then meets a guide who gives them a plan and calls them to action. And that action either results in success or failure. We have two options, Jerome. I'm going to let you pick uh, an example of a plot structure and a brand script for Star Wars or The Hunger Games. Which one do you think we should use? Star Wars, because people watch a three and a half hour movie and don't complain about it. And everybody talks about how short our attention spans are these days. Okay. So we're going to walk through the plot structure of Star Wars. Luke, 
the evil empire. Is he a Jedi? Well, let me step back. Luke is the character. He has a problem. Is the evil empire, the evil empire, is he a Jedi? Then he meets a guide, Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's been there and understands. That guide gives him a plan. He tells Luke that he has what it takes. You got to trust the force. Then he calls them to action. Go defeat the empire. That action either results in success, which would be destroying the Death Star, or failure. The rebellion is crushed. That's a really simple framework to understand from Star Wars, right? So, you know, what I want to point out, though, guys, early on in my career, I still find myself doing this. Jerome will keep me honest and accountable here. You have to remember that if you are in a position like we are, you are not the hero. People do not care. You, the listener, do not care about what I am achieving. You care that I can bring you along the way. So on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, Pinterest, you know, Snapchat, all you're seeing is people's achievements, the best of the best. One thing that sets us apart and sets compression apart is that we are not here to show you that and just highlight that. This is not all about hype. This is not all about marketing. This is about guiding people along that way, along that journey of compression. So with that being said, Jerome, should we actually walk through our brand script for compression? Without question. I I think it's super important to understand who the main character is, which is the listener and the problems that they have. Okay. So the character in our brand script for compression, this is what we have written. What do the characters want? A plan and a system to achieve their goals that is complete at the theoretical level and effective at the applied level. Freedom, legacy, clarity. It's about breaking down the science of achievement and pairing that with the art of fulfillment. Golly, I wrote that? Man. That's because I've been focused on that, man. That is just, that is, that. if that doesn't motivate you or inspire you right there, I don't know what will. I'm going to say it one more time. What does the character want? This is you, the listener. You want a plan and a system to achieve your goals that is complete at the theoretical level and effective at the applied level. Freedom, legacy, Clarity. It's about breaking down the science of achievement and pairing that with the art of fulfillment. Okay. So most people don't actually know that clarity Mm -hmm. is the most important thing, right? They think it's all the other stuff. Why is clarity even mentioned in this brand script? Yep. You ever worn some sunglasses that uh, you found that were buried in the sand? You ever no. put those sunglasses on? That sounds awful. It's terrible. You can't see anything. It's itchy. The sand gets in your eyes. You're always messing with it. You're trying to scrape the things off so you can see where you're going. 
I relate clarity in your life the same way. I think it's been said that a genius without a roadmap will get lost if you tell them where to go. You give a mediocre person an incredible map that they can follow. Oh my gosh, they're going to get to point from point A to point B so much faster. They're going to beat the genius. It's clarity. It's being able to see where you are going. Not only seeing, but you have before you can see, you have to know what that end goal is. So clarity is so important because clarity not only provides inspiration, it provides a plan. And if you have transparent clarity and accountability built into that, it provides feedback. And failure, as long as you fail forward and take it for what it's worth, failure is feedback. So clarity is so important because you have to be able to know where you're going and you have to be able to see. It can't be muddy. And you also cannot have tunnel vision necessarily. You have to be able to see the whole perspective and then zoom out every once in a while to be able to go execute. Beautiful. And so in my book, uh, Your Dream Should Be Real, I write a chapter where I talk about an accident that I was in. It was pretty bad. And the moral of the story is if you don't know where you're going, you won't like where you end up. Mm-hmm. And that, for me, on the apply level, is extremely effective. Absolutely. Because without the direction, without the North Star, and most people honestly don't know what their North Star is. But without the North Star, you don't know if you're heading in the right direction. Yep. And that in and of itself is going to make a huge impact on your progress. So I appreciate you breaking that down. So the problem, though, is different from the person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a villain. They've got some internal and external conflict and maybe a philosophical conflict as well. Let's talk about the problem. Like, who's the villain? You know, there's a lot of villains, but in this scenario, what we're picking out to be our villain is that what we've been told that we should work the same jobs that our parents have, we should, for 40 years, by the way, we should retire with our 401ks, social security. That plan doesn't work anymore. So the world has changed. And so the villain is really change. The villain is the, the ability to adapt to this change. And so, unfortunately, what we have been told by the media, by our parents, necessarily, unless you have an entrepreneurial parent, which not a lot of folks do, uh, you know, that the world is going to be the same. So you should get a job in banking as a doctor, as an engineer, as a salesperson or whatever, and, and go do that for 40 years. That's not working anymore because for a few reasons, but that's, that's the villain. The media wants us to believe that we are consumers and not producers. MJ DeMarco puts this the most beautifully way that I've ever heard in his book, The Millionaire's Fast Lane, and his subsequent book, Unscripted. Highly recommend both of those. Recommended reading right there. The Fast Lane is business entrepreneurship and business ownership. The slow lane is trading your time for dollars. That's the villain. 
Trading your time for dollars. Why? Ooh, we about to go deep. I, I don't think we're going to make time on this one, Logan. I'm sorry. But <laughs> why is trading your time for dollars the villain? <laughs> I'm trying to figure out exactly how to, how to put this. If I asked somebody, what would they do if money was no longer an issue, 95% of the people say something other than what they are doing right now. Talk to me. That's sad to me. It, it, it makes me sad because time is so precious. It goes away so fast and we do not get to go back. We get one shot at this. And really, after you're an adult, you probably have 30 to 40 if you're lucky, 50 or 60 years left, which is, you know, a very short period of time, relatively speaking. So if, if I remove money from the, the, the equation and somebody tells me, well, I'd really love to be, you know, um, uh, you know, I'd, I'd really love to be a, a scuba diver instructor. Okay. All right. Well, let's, let's talk about that. How can you become a thought leader and a presence around being a scuba diver instructor on the weekends and build a blog that people subscribe to your videos when you're out there going scuba diving so people can live vicariously through you? You think people would pay $2.99 a month to see that? Maybe. Yeah, maybe they would learn. So that way when they go to actually get in their, their license for or their certification for scuba, they're already 10 steps ahead. And they can, they can do that training faster. Maybe that's a problem that you can go solve. Maybe that will allow you to then become more of what you want to do already. So the, the, the sad thing to me is that when you trade do- time for dollars because somebody told you that you need to uh, be an architect, an engineer, a doctor, a lawyer, or whatever that is, and you hate doing that, you're dying inside. Ooh. Ooh. So... We're going to go here. I I love this. All right. So we talk about death and we avoid death very frequently because that is what most people shy away from because it's so uncertain. They don't know what's going to happen. And so this is very much in the promise of religion and why I think Mm -hmm. lots of religion was established. But you're a practitioner of stoicism. So let's bring death into this conversation and why stoics are so, it almost seems, um, what's the right word? Preoccupied, um, obsessed with the fact that you're going to die. Yep. Memento Mori. Memento Mori is basically a reminder of death. You know, it's a coin. It's a skull. It's something that you have that reminds you that we're all going to die and you don't know when. Believe it or not, you're not, you don't know when. You might get hit by a dump truck going down a two-way truck or two-way road and you didn't know that was going to happen. Jerome didn't die from that, but he's still sitting here, thank God, today because of who knows what. His, his inability to die, I would say, uh, was one of them. But Memento, Memento Mori reminds you that life is fickle. And when my dad passed away in less than 21 days, and he went from 
a 6'3 strapping Native American to a 150-pound guy that couldn't even walk or talk. All he could do was cry. That was the day that I realized that my days are limited. And if I'm not enjoying what I am doing and feel fulfilled from that, I am dying inside. And so death, I think Benjamin Franklin said, there's two definite things in this life, death and taxes. (laughs) And if you're a real estate investor, not the taxes part. But if you are, you will die because that's we're human. So that's why I'm obsessed with it. That's why I, I study it. And that's why I try to be a practitioner of not only achieving big goals, but enjoying that. Paulo Cohilo wrote The Alchemist, one of my favorite books right up here by the Bible. I don't It's one of the orange ones right there. And he realized that after going on this huge journey, when he, when he found, was it diamonds he was searching for? It was the diamonds, right? Yeah. Yeah, as a treasure, whatever. He was searching, he found it. And uh, he was like, wait, this is it? I know everybody talks about that, but when you actually, you know, you actually achieve something and you look back and you didn't enjoy that journey, oh man, it sucks. But what Tim Grover misses in his book, and I'm calling Tim out, is because <laughs> I think I'm the only person in the world that calls Tim Grover Jacko Willink out. But anyways, I'm calling Tim out because the process that you go through, you can craft beautifully. That is the piece of the art of fulfillment. And maybe Tim doesn't necessarily say that you can't enjoy that. But when you look back at the process, you don't want to put yourself so hard into the meat grinder that you're just like, God, I don't want to ever want to have to do that again. You want to create beauty and joy on a regular basis. So that's the, uh, that's the reason I think that trading time for dollars, if you do not love what you are doing and feel fulfilled by that, is the villain. So I, I would propose to the listeners that you're dying inside because. Oh. All right, here we go, Logan. You're dying inside because you're not actually doing what you were placed on this earth to do. And you're That's only doing right. what you're doing for money. And that's the ultimate level of actualization. The ultimate level of actual, actualization is significance. Yes not prosperity. And so when you, when you don't tap out at making a positive impact on the lives of others by doing your thing, the thing you're uniquely placed on this earth to do, then you realize there's more Mm -hmm. and you come to this internal conflict and it's, well, do I continue this comfortable lifestyle that I live? for the sake of the folks that are around me. And I was having a really interesting conversation with a a friend of mine and he's working on a project where he's trying to expose people and he's saying, well, why aren't people pursuing their passion? Mm -hmm. And we've went to a bunch of different relationships and I'm going to call the former first lady out on this one. She said, I didn't want Barack to be president of the United States. (laughs) Right. She she said that it was it, it was in opposition to the thought that she had and dream the visions that she had for her family. Right. And so the importance of that 2008 of election, whether you agree with his impact, politics or anything else, 
the hope that was given to a race of people who haven't had a whole lot of hope in the country. Yep. By that man giving the sacrifice and impacting his nuclear family for a finite amount of time by chasing this dream or passion that came to him in some way, shape or form um, puts us in a place where now we have another person of color entering into the white house, not very long from now. That's right. And I don't think this would have happened without that. I could be completely wrong about that, but I do think that was a precursor for this. Absolutely. And so we allow people around us to dictate what we're supposed to do, forcing us to turn our back on our intuition, Mm -hmm. turn our back on the thing that's pulling at us and tugging at us and waking us up out of our dreams and asking us to go actually make them a reality. Your dreams should be real. Without question, my friend. So I, I think that's why people are dying on the inside. It's because yep. that purpose, that thing that they have in them, isn't manifesting. And if you leave it on the shelf for too long, then it perishes and it's taken away and given to somebody else. Totally. All right. So this may roll us into the internal conflict. Uh, we have here that they're scared, anxious, fearful, and that they don't know how to set goals and achieve them. Yeah. So here's the thing. We've talked about the villain. We've talked about why folks are dying inside. Now it's time to talk about, okay, I'm sold on the fact that maybe I should be doing something different. How the heck do I actually go start doing that? That's what they're scared about. They're scared about the, the change, the jump the perspective shift that they'll have to make so that they can feel confident enough to do something different. So there's a gap. You've got your old self standing over here on this edge. You have your new self over here. This person's jumping up for joy and super happy. This person is, is broke, tired, and scared. And there's a bridge here that has to be built. Nobody can build the bridge except for you. However, There are amazing bridge builders out there doing it every single day. And so there is a internal problem and external problem here. Internal meaning I'm scared. External, I don't know how to build. That's okay. There are builders, no matter what industry you are, hobby or interest that you have, but you have to start within first. And that's what compression is about. And the philosophical piece here of this problem is that, again, I've, I've said this multiple times, but there is no better time than right now to take extreme ownership and responsibility over your own financial future with the, with the podcast, with books, with the internet, with mentors, with all of these things that you can go get free. You can build the internal bank of knowledge that you need to start building that bridge. And we're going to guide you to do that. That's the problem that we're solving. All right. So you emphasize free. I don't know if it was because Freeman's a thing, but <laughs> let, let's, let's, let's dive on free. Let, let's talk about value versus cost. Sure. Right. Because you and I have had this conversation more often than I like to admit I've had it, but it's a limiting belief of my own. Right. 
It's all right, Logan, how do I charge people for this? Because there's value here, but Mm -hmm. sometimes the people who need this most can't afford it. Right. Yep. So why the emphasis on free and what's the difference between cost and value or investment? Can't afford is a term and a phrase that folks need to really dissect first, okay? Uh, As you get to know myself and Jerome, you'll know that we question almost everything. Jerome more than I, but he's he's teaching me to do that in more of a, a more exploratory way. And so when you say you can't afford it, is it legitimately that you can't afford it? Or can you... Cut back your $14.99 Netflix, your $9.99 HBO, your $6 a day Starbucks, your uh, subscribe and save on Amazon. Wait, 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 wait. You're asking people to give something up? Sacrifice. Wait. No, I want that with no sacrifice. That's the way. That's the American way. Yeah. Well, it's the wrong American way. That's what's got us lazy and fat and sick. So you know what? That's what we have to change. So you have to make some sacrifices. If you truly want to find out if you can afford something, you should reach out to folks and actually have conversations with them. People like ourselves, more often than not, will always give, will always give in a way that will be valuable to you and we'll figure out a way to work together. That's the first thing. Dissect what you really can't afford. The second being free is only going to get you to a certain point. Free didn't get me here. Free got me thinking differently. This podcast will get you thinking differently. You can make some change yourself. Then you're going to hit a plateau. Boom, boom, boom. The door's locked. What am I doing wrong? Why can't I see this? Why is this going wrong? How come I can't get past this number of sales? What's what's happening? I can't get any followers, no engagement. That's when free stops. So this is urging you to take action, but up to a point, find your person, find your coach, find your program. Make sure you investigate it and talk to people who have been through it before. That's the number one thing you can do. But also, you have to realize that the value that you get from podcasts is to scrape the surface. Typically, these things uh, have some sort of back end where you can plug into and uh, pay for more um, content. What I will tell you is what I pay for is I pay for thought leadership, somebody that's going to help me think differently and somebody's going to hold me accountable. Free does not hold you accountable. People value for that of which they pay for. So just know at a certain point, you might have some success. You're going to get up to this plateau and you're not going to be able to break through it. And if you want to break through that plateau even earlier, then I recommend finding somebody. However, what I the point I was trying to make was there is no excuse in at least getting started, right? That's the point that I want to make sure I'm hitting home on. Yeah. Uh, my mom used to always tell me to push your own car, right? If That's your right. car breaks down, push your car, and then other people will help you push your car. But if you're sitting in there with the flashers on, you'll be waiting until the police come. Yep. Nobody's going to get you out of traffic. A beautiful analogy and one that I've used a lot in a different sense. Before enlightenment, chop wood and carry water. 
after enlightenment, chop wood and carry water. If you don't know what that means, go research it. Do the work, man. All right. <laughs> so the third phase of this thing is meeting a guide. Yep. And so we, we've hit on it a little bit with the podcast. Logan's talked about free resources. Mm-hmm. Talk to me more about what meeting a guide is. Who's the guide in this situation? If the listeners are character and what they can expect from their guide or what maybe what we should be telling them is what they should be looking for in a good guide. In stories, characters do not solve their own problems. If they could solve their own problems, they'd likely had never gotten into trouble in the first place. What normally happens then is the character needs somebody. They read something, they remember something or experiences something that helps them grow. That somebody or something is the guide. A good guide has been there and done that in the sense that they understand the journey that the character is on and can see clearly where they need to go. In fact, the first job of that guide is to listen, understand and empathize with the hero's problem. The second is to give them a plan they can use to fight for a happy ending. The guide, not the hero, is the strongest, more steady character in the story. That's the definition of the guide. Been there, done that, and can see the whole problem instead of just one sliver of it. That's the the piece that's really important. And your guide has, 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 has to listen. Jerome, you're one of the best listeners I know. And so with me, it's probably good because all I do is talk, it seems like. But that's what I mean by listening and being and being able to empathize. So you have to be able to listen, empathize, and then give the hero a plan that they can use to fight for that happy ending. So the plan is that fist that we talked about. I can't remember if it was earlier this episode or the last episode. We're combining all these resources ends up with the person getting clarity, having that one thing that they're working towards and being able to be more efficient in the approach of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so the guy gives them the plan. I, I call this writing the prescription. Yep. Right? It's right before I give people the red pill, writing a prescription, do this, this, and this in this order. And that will get you to go to the place that you want to go. Um, some people want to ask questions to lead people to the plan that they should go down. And I find that when people do that to me, I get extremely frustrated. Uh, some people get frustrated with my approach because they say I'm dictating to them because what I've learned through years of coaching folks is that most people are going to try to do everything, but go through the thing, whatever that thing is that's in your way. That's right. They, they want to try to figure out how to go around it, go over it. They don't just want to run through it. And not too long ago, I wrote this LinkedIn post where I talked about teaching my players that they didn't have to defeat the block. They could use a blocker to go make the tackle. Mm-hmm. You just push them in. Logan, you played offensive line. You'll get this, right? You can push the guy that's trying to protect the passer all the way into the passer and make the passer fall down. And we would do that for the first and second quarter without fail. 
just straight up bull rush. I'm going to push you over. I'm going to knock you back. And then once we show them that we can impose our will on them, David Goggins calls this taking souls. That's right. <clears throat> then we could get fancy and start using moves and move around them and make them fall down. And that was when things got really fun. But it wasn't until we exerted or imposed our will on our opponent that we had the flexibility and option to do those other things. And I think we live in a world where we are told that everything's going to be easy. It's going to be comfortable. You don't have to make any sacrifices. You don't actually have to do the work. All you have to do is write the check. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to hear that here. No. Right? No. I mean, I think the process, like you said, I mean, two reasons that I don't think people stick to their goals. One, we've talked about lack of clarity. And you, you can't always see what you're, you're missing. And then the second is the no system of, of accountability. Nobody's holding you accountable. And nobody's willing to call you out because they think it's, for some reason, uh, doing you an injustice when actually it's doing you a justice. You're treating somebody just when you call them out on something that they do that they, they committed not to do. Is it uncomfortable? Yeah. But so was me staring at that guy at lunch negotiating a $7 million contract for 20 minutes straight without saying anything yesterday. That was uncomfortable but you get results through uncomfortable. Most people won't, just like most people won't reach out enough on, in sales. It takes eight to 12 times to reach out to somebody to connect. Most people stop at three. They don't even get halfway. They don't even make it halfway. And if they do make it halfway, you think they're going to get from six to eight? No, no, no. And if they get to eight, you think they're going to get to 12? <laughs> Not a chance. The only reason I was ever successful in direct selling was because I was the most persistent person in the room, no matter what. So lack of clarity, no system for accountability. Why Jerome and I for the guide? Well, we've been there before, not knowing what to do, not knowing how to do it or where to start. We've been in the position where we've had some success then it's been taken away. And now we got some more success. Now we're at a level where we have to exponentially increase that success. That's compression. So I'm not trying to tell you that we are the best ones to take you from point A to point B. But if you do come along this journey with us, you will not only get the system and the plan, you'll get to see folks doing it. And that is the differentiating factor. That's my unique selling proposition of compression. That's why I say on the agreement piece of giving them a plan, why this is so unique and compelling. Right. So we give them a the plan, then we call them to action. We, yep. we tell them to take action on the plan they were just given. I, I call it the challenge. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite kid movies is Lion King. And so when Rafiki hits Simba on the head <laughs> and tells him you don't know who you are, <laughs> and they go off on this journey to the yep. pond where he looks in the reflection and he sees his father and sees the king inside of him. Um, it's the part that I enjoy the most. And in, in the red pill model, we, we talk about self-image and 
getting that situated because I, I believe everything starts within. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I talk about what a lot of people do, and you'll hear me talk about that a lot, a lot of people want to see the world change without making any adjustments or modifications to their behavior, right? They, they don't want to modify the way they see the world. They don't want to modify the way they interact with people. They just want to do what they've been doing because mm-hmm. it's comfortable. But what if, it's a big if, what if you made some changes to you and what you were doing and that ripple effect exploded across the world? Yeah. Impact. I mean, we could talk about your household, but let's just be grandiose. Let's talk about the world. Legacy. Then what? How would you feel if you lost 100 pounds, doubled your income, created passive income, increased the love in your top five relationships, felt more at peace? How would you feel if you knew how to set a huge, big, hairy, audacious goal and actually achieve it? That's what compression is. The confidence in knowing the ability that you have to set and then go achieve a goal. Just imagine in 12 months that you can be a new person. You can feel better, have more confidence and have a better life, but you have to start compressing today. And that's the call to action. so what's the backside of that call to action guys there's either success Mm -hmm. or avoiding failure and we 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 avoid failure before we chase success as as a people for some reason uh we we don't we want to protect what we have we're avoiding not losing what we've acquired Mm -hmm. but I will tell you that sometimes there's a glorious end to that comeback story. Yes. Uh, Logan and I have both been underdogs forever. I, I, I can't remember being the first pick of anything. Right. And so, but when I got on the field, I wasn't coming back off. Mm-hmm. Right. When, when I got in the game, I was going to be the person who made the play that made the difference and whether we won or lost, that was just, yep. I, I want to be the one with the ball. And so Tim Grover called these folks cleaners. And on my run this morning, I started thinking, and I think compressors. Yeah. Fresh off the press. is going to be that level of love cleaners, right? Cleaners didn't make time. In fact, they, they probably spent more time, right? They didn't compress time. They didn't, they didn't get more efficient. They just, beat on it and beat on it and beat on it longer than anybody else. Like they, they had pride in being in the gym longer. Yep. They have pride being there first and leaving after and working out harder. Uh, But what if there was a way where you could get the results in less time? There is. And cleaners, almost every cleaner was really good at one facet of their life. Not all. Compressors have the ability to be a complete cleaner one hour and a complete empathetic, humble, and loving husband and father the next. 
This is the next level. I've, I've long struggled with the definition of, or Tim's definition of not being able to turn it off. And, you know, maybe he will fight back and push back against me on that, but that's okay because I am not, uh, I don't need to be the next Kobe Bryant, but Kobe Bryant was the closest in my opinion to a compressor. However, it was always professional for Kobe. It was always professional until he had his daughters and something changed. I don't ever know if, if, if his wife really, I mean, at the early age stages, it, you know, he was in love with her a lot. And then I think he was still in love with his professional career more. But then those girls came and you saw another level of Kobe come out. So Kobe was the, the closest cleaner I have seen that has been able to compress different things in different and multiple arenas, right? Uh, he won a Grammy. He's got an incredible kids podcast. He wrote books. He did all of this music, all these different things. Um, so that's, that's what's really important is be able to think about the four, the four legs on your chair. For me, it's my faith, my family, my fitness, and then my future in that order. And I want to be a compressor on all of those or a cleaner on all of those. And that's what creates compressors. To talk about the avoidance of pain, it's, be, it's because of cognitive dissonance. And I've wrote, written on this just recently. But it's when you hold two conflicting ideas in your mind, you, you, uh, you feel dissonance, you feel discomfort. And so basically in this scenario, you know that you should be doing different things, but you continue to do things that hold you back. That's creating dissonance in your life. And the loss aversion the endowment effect and the disposition effect are all psychological terms that have been proven that make sure that you understand. Uh, if you understand yourself, you can understand these. But these different effects from psychology will make us hold on to certain things so we don't lose them first. And, and we want to avoid pain before we, we ever, ever experience pleasure. So the call to action version 2.0 here is to really think about cognitive dissonance, the endowment effect, the disposition effect, and loss aversion, all things that we will go into more in depth on this podcast. That's how we help you avoid failure. There's another piece of this because a guide wouldn't be a good guide if we didn't end in the success. So we will wrap it up here with this because I think this is probably one of the longer episodes, but this is so important. I think people, if they listen to this, are really going to understand, oh my gosh, there was a lot more thinking that went into this than just two guys throwing some crap up on the wall and seeing what stuck. Early in my career, I was a shotgunner, okay? A shotgun, shotgun, shotgun. And I had a lot of success shotgunning, but you don't compress time and money Shotgunning, you have to rifle. So if you were to end in success, this is what it feels like. This is what it looks like. Just imagine if you were living as the best version of yourself. If you were able to compress your results, you can lose the weight. You can be a better husband, a better wife, a better father, mother. You can make more and you can be more, but you have to be intentional about it. Again, lack of clarity, no system for accountability, 
are the two main reasons I believe that people don't stick to their goals. Everybody's heard the the story of just look at the gyms come January 2nd or January 1st. Usually not the first because those people are out partying the night before, but January 2nd. I can guarantee I will do my Monday workout and my kettlebell club workout no matter what, Monday and Fridays. It's a non-negotiable for me. I can guarantee that this man sitting across this, this computer screen is out there running six miles. I texted him this morning and I said, what's the goal? (laughs) Two compressors asking what's the goal to each other. He said, there is no goal. This is maintenance. He said, this is maintenance. Six miles every morning is maintenance. I don't know if I can make that point any more clear. That's a guide you want to follow. Somebody that is out there in the muck, in the rain, raggedy shoes, cold, six miles a day because it's maintenance. Oh, that's good stuff. (laughs) I don't have anything else, man. That was was all I wanted to cover, man. Logan. It's phenomenal to be on this journey with you, man. Uh, I'm going to listen to the podcast if nobody else does. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Me too. I was like, man, I'm just going to re-listen to our own shows together, man. I think that's the way to do this. Anyways, that's the brand script, guys. That's who this podcast is for. Uh, it's not a social club, so don't sign up and don't subscribe. I don't, I don't care if, you, if I have 10,000 downloads, 100,000 downloads. It will happen. That's the compressing cleaner inside of me. It will happen because I'm not here trying to get you to write me a five-star review. What I want you to do is share this message with somebody that needs it, somebody that hasn't gotten started, that has lack of clarity, has a lack of accountability, and think about that person who's plateaued. Maybe they hit that six-figure mark. Great. That's cool. Jerome and I both done that in, in in three months, okay? So you got to hit that multiple six-figure month. I said month, not year. Be thinking bigger, different. Maybe there's somebody that's plateaued that can't see the whole picture. That's who this is for. Maybe listen to this. Think about stories. A character who has a problem. They meet a guide who gives them a plan and then calls them to action that leads to success and helps them avoid failure through showing them about their cognitive dissonance, the endowment disposition and loss aversion effects. Jerome, man, that was, that was straight gold. This should be $999. Just this, this uh, 35 or 45 minutes right there. I appreciate you pulling that out, man. Love it, brother. Talk soon. All right. I appreciate you tuning in to another episode of Compression. My mission for this show is to do my part in helping you crush your limiting beliefs, rise above mediocrity, and live as the best version of yourself. If you feel inclined, please share this show with someone who could benefit, someone who needs to hear this message. As always, please leave us a review wherever you're listening and connect and engage with me on LinkedIn 
and head on over to CompressionPodcast.com where you can subscribe. And when you do, you're going to get access to my live goal tracker, resources to download that will help you along your own compression journey, and you're going to be able to stay up with the episodes. Until next time, we'll talk soon.